Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another episode of V Brown Bag. Uh, tonight, we are going to be continuing with our Python for DevOps series, and I am very happy to uh, announce that we've got Chris Arsenault on tonight, and he is going to be doing an introduction to CICD with Python. This is something that I've been very interested in getting my brain dropped into, and, um, and we're going to do it tonight. Yay! So uh, with that, oh, oops, hold on one second. Let me close this. Uh, but first, a couple of quick housekeeping notes. Get in on the conversation. If you are in the live audience tonight, you can at vbrownbag or hashtag vbrownbag um, on Twitter, and I will be paying attention and asking questions of Chris Arsenault for that. If you are in the um, chat room in the window here, I will also be monitoring that as well within the GoToWebinar options. Um, so if you want to say hi to Howdy in there, if you have any questions, you can throw them up in there. I'll be paying attention to both venues. Um, we also have the APAC EMEA LATEM um, V Brown Bag episodes as well. Those are on the other nights, um, and and that's about it. I'm 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 very I'm very jazzed. It's a, it's going to be it's going to be a fun night tonight. So without further ado, um, tonight we've got Chris Arsenault. My name is Chris Williams. Uh, so we got the two Chris's on tonight. He is at Chris underscore Arsenault.com, and I am at Mistwire. So Without further ado, Chris, are you there? Yes, sir. Awesome. I will give you the power. Okay. All right. You are presenter, sir. Cool. I can see your screen. Okay. There we go. Okay, guys. Um, well, as you'll see, uh, those that might recognize the icons, the three CICD systems that I have listed out today, uh, some we're going to touch on more than others, is GitLab CI, Jenkins, and Travis CI. Hmm. Uh, a little background about myself. Uh, I'm currently in between jobs. <laughs> uh, I will... This coming Monday, I'm actually starting a job at Beam. So yay! Congratulations! Uh, I'll be sir. a solutions. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I'll be a solutions architect working on their um, their VCSP team, their service provider team. Very cool. So if any of you all listening, I look forward to working with you all in the future. Um, <laughs> and I like to automate things. <laughs> uh, so the question that we're going to all have tonight, and then I challenge you to think for yourself throughout this entire presentation, is which CI/CD platform is right for you? Uh, for me, I'll give a very brief background on, on the, the journey that I've gone up this far uh, with what I'm currently using today, and then I'm going to go into a little bit of uh, pros and cons and, and live demo like, like I talked about for all of you all to see. Uh, in which of this, hopefully there's some good content for y'all, as well as y'all can see some similarities um, with uh, the problems that I had, the, the, the good stuff that I saw, uh, which will help y'all, you know, further in y'all's journey as well. So whenever it came down to it, uh, whenever I first knew that I need to implement a CICD platform where I work, um, the name that I kept hearing everywhere was Jenkins, Jenkins, Jenkins. Uh, and for good reason. They've been around for a bit. Um, they've got tons of plugins. You can do any, about anything you want to. Um, and so, and also the company that I was at wasn't 
really, you know, they were all full on open source, if you can. And so we put in open source Jenkins. Uh, very quickly after getting Jenkins in place, I felt like for the kind of work that my team was doing, it was just a little too much. Um, how can I explain that good? Jenkins has tons of plugins. And if you're using the open source version, uh, and so you're not using their approved plugins, then there's the possibility for plugin mismatches and library mismatches and stuff like that. Uh, so there's a negative there. Not bad on Jenkins, just bad on the open source piece. Um, and I was restricted to the open source. Uh, the other the other issue that I had with Jenkins was, I think, this is my personal opinion. I feel that Jenkins shines whenever it comes to like a traditional software development platform uh, where you're working on some rather big projects, right? Um, Jenkins can shine for that. Uh, I was doing data center automation, which is essentially, you know, automating backups in the data center, uh, automating uh, whatever I can, basically, uh, that has an API. Uh, that's what I was doing. And so, there wasn't like one big application that my team and I were working on. And so what that meant is for every single repository, Git repository that we had, I had to stand that up and we used GitLab. Uh, we, we used at the time GitLab for our um, repository management. Uh, and we had to stand it up there and then we had to go over to Jenkins, set it, configure it in there, and then all in the, within the Jenkins web UI is where you configured all your CICD stuff. Um, without going further into it, that just seemed a little cumbersome for what I was doing, right? And maybe that is for you. Um, give it a shot. I don't have anything further to talk about Jenkins here, but hopefully I've given you an idea of that it's very robust um, and the kind of workflows that I feel it's better for. Um, then I was contributing to an open source project a couple years ago, and I noticed that they had CICD tied to it in GitHub, and it was Travis CI. And so I said, wow, let me check out Travis CI. And I really liked it. I, and the thing that I loved about it is I didn't have to go to Travis CI to go administer uh, or primarily administer my CICD platform, the config for for the the testing and deployments and stuff. The config was all done in a file .travis.yaml that was in the root of my Git repository, and I loved that. I'm like, wow, I don't have to go to this other platform to constantly see what my configs are and, and if something's working or not. Uh, I can if I need to, but I don't have to. It's all right there. Um, but as I mentioned, the the downfall for me uh, and wanting to roll that Travis CI out into where I worked at the time is Travis CI only supports GitHub and no, nobody else. Given that we were using GitLab, go ahead. No, I, I said mm, interesting. Sorry. Oh yeah. <laughs> given that given that we were <laughs> yeah given that we were using GitLab. Um, I then very quickly, I don't even see how, know how it, it escaped me because about that time, GitLab CI had been out for a little over a year. 
And I'm like, wow, GitLab CI, it does the exact same thing, and it works with what we've got. Let's check this out. <laughs> and within a month or two of testing, we, I was sold. I was like, yeah, this is it. But we're going here, right? So with that in mind, yes, I'm a little biased toward GitLab CI, but I see pluses for both GitLab CI uh, and Travis CI. And I'm going to kind of go, I'm going to go over each of those systems today. So let's get into the code. So let's start out with Travis CI. So, and I will mention that all the things that I'm showing you, you here today, uh, I'm going to provide you links to all, all of the source code here. Um, uh, tomorrow, I will actually post the slides. Uh, that I was just showing you now on my blog, and so that y'all can hop in there, uh, get the get the the links information, and, and go access all this stuff yourself. Okay, so let's start out with Travis CI. So this right here is a single Git repository. We open up here, we can see this is that repository. Uh, I've outlined both the Travis CI and the GitLab CI repositories, the, the demo that I'm showing you all today, with the exact same format to try to keep things simple and straightforward for all of y'all. So let's get a look at that, that file. So this is a super simple CICD configuration. I mean, super simple, <laughs> literally. It's just saying, hey, I got a job, I got a script, uh, and I want you to execute this command. Okay, I want to execute, well, what's the, what's the version of Python? Mm -hmm. Okay, if I go into Travis CI, I can see that the last build, whenever I did reset it to this simple one, uh, it, starts out as most CICD systems do. It clones the Git repository. It then, and we'll see this later, it exported a variable that I had set. Uh, and then the way that Travis CI works is Travis CI by default uh, natively runs its own container. So all of this stuff is running in a container, but you don't need to know that. What you need to know is that uh, it's inside that it used uh, a virtual environment. It does this all on its own. Mm -hmm. It tells me the version. Uh, this is from a, a newer one. That's not the one that I did. That's an older one, uh, which is why it doesn't match up. Essentially, mine just is Python dash D. And then it outputs that. And then it's done. Mm -hmm. Okay. The problem that I have as well with Travis CI with the free version, is, and I'll mention this too, both GitLab CI and Travis CI, if you have an open source product, uh, they provide their service 100% free. There's some caveats in there, but it's 100% free, which is why, especially if you're on GitHub, you see a lot of open source projects using Travis CI because it's free. Uh, it's very nice to be free. <laughs> so let's go back 
and we have our basic one. Let's go, let's say we want to use that variable we were talking about. So here's how Travis CI would handle it. You'd say, okay, hey, my language that I want you to use is Python. And you could specify that I want this version of Python to be used. Um, for Travis CI, this does not mean that you're running a different, a different container or anything like that. All it does is they have, they've built their OS out so that they have virtual environments. You're familiar with Python virtual environments? We, we actually uh, had an episode where we talked about uh, pip ends and, uh, and VN. Um, so our viewers should be familiar There you with go. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you'll, you saw in the, in Travis CI config, it actually enters a virtual environment. It's not using a different container or anything like that. And it bases it off of this number. And at that point, we're going to use that variable that I set up earlier to, to check out some stuff here. So because it takes a little bit because it's, it's a free service, let's go ahead and kick this off, uh, while I go and where is it? Here we go. So you you kicked it off how by modifying the uh, the the YAML file? Yeah. Uh, so here's I should have explained a little bit further. So I have Visual Studio Code opened right now, uh, which already has credentials and everything to my libraries and whatnot. And I have all of the Git repos that I'm going to work with y'all today open. Mm -hmm. um, I just saved this file, and so it, it tells me it told me underneath this repository there's one change, and so uh, I'm going to make a commit, and then I'm going to push that commit up to GitHub. So the second this clears out. We'll see that, and then if we go over to GitHub here and I refresh, notice the latest commit variable demo yep. 17 seconds ago. Mm -hmm. And at this point, if I go back in here, we see it's received it. Travis CI is now booting uh, the container or virtual machine. Uh, that it is going to use to run my code. Actually, it started up very fast, probably because people aren't working right now, <laughs> or, or most people aren't working. So, um, so the, the the Travis pipeline picks it up as soon as you commit it to GitHub. It does. Okay. Um, and yeah, and you can actually, and we'll see real quickly what it did. It exported that variable, which I'll show you where that is in a second. It then entered a virtual environment based off of the Python version that I had told it. Mm. Okay. Then the next, the first thing it did was echo, uh, <clears throat> it echoed the, the variable that I had set. And then it used this Python script that I had wrote to also echo that variable. And it's very interesting. I wanted to show you all the way this is done. So variables, whether it's GitLab CI, or Travis CI, both of, both of those platforms have the idea of variables, environment variables that you can use. Uh, whenever you use those, it actually puts them as an environment variable. So in Python, if you did not want to have to always go through the motions of have, using arg parse or essentially 
taking in uh, uh, parsing arguments, right, for a script that you were executing in Travis CI. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, if you were using an argument, you might say Python, hello world, var, space, and then, you know, in quotes here, you'd say something like, right? Right. And, that, and you, you pull this in as, a, as an argument. Right. Well, you don't necessarily have to do that. If you're using a CICD platform like GitLab CI or Travis CI, you can use it just like you would use any other environment variable. Yeah. Uh, and that just shows it here. Import the library, access the, access the, the variable, you're done. Which I think is, is rather uh, elegant. That's very cool, <laughs> yeah. But I tell you what, I've written a lot of arg parse stuff, and it can get hairy sometimes, especially depending on how complex things can get. Mm-hmm. And and so you saw what it looked like. It it printed it out. Uh, let's go into a different one. Okay, so you're doing a normal. Well, we have we have one quick question about that. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, does it use webhooks to push start the CI/CD pipeline process? It does. It does. Uh, and a matter of fact, uh, I was just about to go in there. So uh, good question. So here we have my active repositories. Uh, and here's the one that we just looked at. So if I go into the settings for this, you can actually select what you want it to build for. So you build push branches, build push pull requests. Uh, you can have auto cancellation. And down here, is where you see the variable, okay? Basically, I just type message right here, and I'll say one so I don't get an error, and then I said, hello. I told it to display in the, so if you had a, you know, something you wanted to hide, you don't have to check this, but I said, yeah, go ahead and display it in the build log, mm-hmm. uh, and then I clicked add. And at once I added it that, now every time this build execute, it's going to add that uh, variable at the beginning. Interestingly enough, and this is this, this is uh, something that I want to call it as a difference between GitLab CI uh, and Travis CI, is whenever you enter a variable for GitLab CI, you don't have to put quotes around it. Um, my first execution of this failed because it, it recognized hello as one and world three exclamations as another. <laughs> oh, I see. Uh, and it, and it, did, it didn't like that. Hmm. Uh, and so I was forced because I had this space uh, and most likely it probably would have failed to the special characters. Uh, I was forced to put the double quotes surrounding it so that it wouldn't error out on that space. Um, that is, I, that is not the behavior for GitLab CI. Just, it's not a big deal. It's just a nuance. It's one of those things that, that are good to know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so whenever you want to add, uh, so right here, add new repository. Okay. It will, you sync it up to your GitHub account and you just, all you literally have to do to enable enable a, a repository is just click the check button and then to go to the setting screen where I just showed you mm-hmm. and you can just leave everything default if you want to most of the time I do. Uh, and boom, uh, the 
hooks that you're talking about, uh, Travis CI sets up for you. So you don't have to do that. That's done for you. Uh, just simplifying the configuration. Uh, literally, all you have to do to get started with Travis CI is create yourself an account, link it to your GitHub account. Uh, it'll, it, it'll, you sync it so it pulls in all your repositories, the name, and you just check the ones off that you want to run against. And as long as there's a dot Travis dot YAML at the root of the, uh, at the root of that repository, the next time you start doing commits, pull request, everything's going to work hunky dory. Nice. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, I did the variable. Uh, I'm not going to run through, I'm not going to run these, but just so you see kind of how it works. Uh, you've already saw the script run in the last one. This is just giving an example of how a script would run. Uh, the stages one uh, is a, is whenever you start to have more complex workloads, um, you, act, you can actually separate them out in stages. And where the stages is beneficial is, for instance, if I just put all of this, pip installs dash r requirements dot text, and I put this, okay, technically I could delete this. Mm -hmm. Things will run. Okay, things, things will run. Um, but if this fails, okay, even if this fails, because it's in the same section, mm -hmm. before Travis CI says, no, no, I'm stopping to run, it's also going to run this. <laughs> oh, I got you. Right? So it's almost like different set, separate failure domains. And in a simple example like this, it doesn't make that much of a difference, right? However, the more complex your automation is, the more that becomes the matter flash if it ran, ran this next next one without this one being successfully complete maybe it breaks something right <laughs> so that's where it can be beneficial plus you you actually are able to to like name uh so whenever you go you go run it uh if you had multiple let's see build history uh, da, 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 da. this one Oh, no, I think it was on the film. Yeah. So notice that there are two stages. This is what, this is what the stages are. They build and execute. Uh, I was able to put a friendly name on them that you notice here. Name, running the script. Running the script. And then I had to build one as well where I was installing uh, installing the requirements. Uh, I then determined that that was not the proper way to do that with Travis CI, putting the requirements in a stage of itself, because the stages are completely separate environments. Um, oh. So you don't want to use, yeah. <laughs> so whenever I installed the requirements here and it, did, and it did it successfully, and then I went down here to run it, it said, hey, by the way, I don't have the requirements. Uh, I can't import this. And so it aired out. Um, and then upon further investigation, I realized that the proper way to do it <laughs> was this way. Essentially, if you have multiple stages in this, in, in this setup, bef before starting each stage, because I have this outside of it, 
mm-hmm. it's actually going to run the, it's actually get, going to install the requirements. Ergo, it's actually going to take a little bit more time up. Um, one of the pluses, there's two pluses that I can think of off the top of my head, uh, well, three, uh, that really make a good case for Travis CI. Okay, one, uh, it works really well with GitHub. And GitHub is where the majority of the code is nowadays. There's been some moving and whatnot, but still, even even with people people dumping after Microsoft bought and stuff, the majority of the code, open source code, still is on GitHub. Uh-huh. And so that, and since Travis CI is free, yay. Okay. Uh-huh. Two, if you want to, uh, it is a it is an easier to test with multiple versions. Of a, of a programming language in Travis CI. So um, I forget what the tags are, but if you, it's like environment, and then you say Python, and then you can say Python 2.7, 2.8, 3.6, 3.7, and then you have your code down here below, and, and Travis CI knows that, hey, all this code down here, I need to set up separate tests against every, every single version of that language that was specified. Mm. And that, so that's pretty sweet. Um, the other thing uh, that a lot of people go to Travis CI for is if you're doing uh, OSX de- development, which doesn't apply to this crowd mm. or most of this crowd. That's not um, true. They, <laughs> one of the languages that you can use uh, is OSX, right? So it can, it can emulate OSX uh, and you can, you know, do your, your app development and stuff like that. Uh, have CICD applied, applied to that. Um, past that, that's, that's where its strong suits are. Uh, another thing that they do, which I don't consider a, a necessarily a strength because you can, you can access it outside. Uh, and this link is what I'm about to show y'all is in, uh, the, uh, the useful links that I'm going to show y'all. Travis CI has this utility built in, their DPL utility. Um, it, whenever, you're, if, whenever you read through their Travis CI documentation, they have something called providers. And a provider essentially allows you uh, to leverage systems very easily. So I'll give you an example of what a Travis CI provider can do. Um, so if we go into my repository, um, <laughs> straight up. Sorry, I love that. Uh, I have <laughs> <laughs> this is this right this right here. <laughs> this is the source code for my website, 100%. Okay, uh, or my blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's go to the Travis the Travis file I have, um, and we have this deploy, meaning it's, it's going to use one of those providers we were talking about from the DPL. Uh, and then I've specified a number of providers. So one, I've specified an S3 provider. Okay. And using, using uh, secure variables and stuff like that, um, if, and let's go through this real fast, I install Hugo. This is, this is Travis CI doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I install AWS CLI. I, I use a, a Ruby based gem uh, for Markdown uh, 
uh, markdown list. Uh, if all that stuff passes, I'm deploying to S3, I'm deploying those generated HTML files to S3. Okay. But only on the master branch. Uh, I set up myself up a test where if it's not on the master branch, so on all branches, but the Travis CI branch can't be the master branch, I then deploy to a different provider called Pages. That Pages is GitHub Pages. Um, and so essentially, if you go to arsenal.ninja, that's my production one that's based off of AWS. Uh, it, it, it's uh, hosted out of AWS. But if you go to my test one, which is test.arsenal.ninja, uh, it's hosted off of GitHub Pages. Oh, that's cool. uh, so essentially, if I want to play around with stuff or or, or test something out, I can just deploy it on, deploy to a branch that's not master. And then I have an actual public place where I can go and see what the changes are and what they look like and, you know, whatever I want to do. Just me having fun. <laughs> uh, but the reason I showed you this is so you get an idea of how powerful the providers are. Without you having to know tons of, uh, of you know, extra API code and stuff, to work with with a bunch of different systems, and there's a lot of providers. You should check it out. Okay, um, you can work very easily with these systems. Um, and while it's a Travis CI thing, it's native to Travis CI. You can totally use DPL inside of GitLab CI. <laughs> so, in my opinion, you get the best of both worlds. <laughs> Um, I think that I've gone over the Travis CI as much as I'm going to go to. We're about halfway through on the on time. Uh, is there any other questions y'all had for Travis CI before I pivot over to GitLab CI? Uh, not not specifically for Travis CI. There 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 was one, and and you, you might want to talk about this later on as as a piece of something else. But what would be what would be the best um, for for some value of best if you hosted your Git repository on site? Uh, we're actually using Git-T, um, G-I-T-E-A, I'm not sure how that's pronounced. Um, and, and they were wondering, as, as a use case, where, where would be the pros and cons for that? But, I mean, you, you, can, you, can, you can feel that now or you can feel that later if you have uh, more yeah. things that you want to run, run past. Uh, I, can only, I can only say for what I've experienced, uh, what I have experience with and what has really worked very well uh, for me mm -hmm. and... GitLab CI. I mean, there is Git, GitHub Enterprise. I've never used that on-prem, okay? But GitLab, uh, the GitLab, whether you, 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 you know, pay for it, it's the same cost for GitLab.com or the on-prem version, or you can use the Community Edition. Community Edition for GitLab is solid. I mean, like, easy, solid, and it has a good bit of the stuff you're, look, you're looking for, including GitLab CI. Um, so it, it, if the per money strings are tight, uh, that's something, uh, if it's not a huge, uh, you know, maybe for security reasons, sometimes people have, have it on prem, but if there's no security reasons and you, you don't have a, a huge, um, developer base, you probably want to go with just use saskitlab.com or something like that. But community edition, GitLab would be my recommendation. Gotcha. I like it. Cool. So let's go over to GitLab. I have the GitLab CI Python demo. 
same thing we saw here. Um, if you're familiar with using GitHub, you will have no problems using GitLab. Um, matter of fact, up until like a year and a half ago, uh, the UIs, the web UIs between GitHub and GitLab, there was almost no difference. Um, I'm sure there was reasons why they redesigned. <laughs> um, but everything, as you see, is just right out in front. There's so many different things you can do, but it can, you can keep things simple. That's what I love about it. Is it's a super powerful product, and the same thing for GitHub as well. Um, but you don't have to use all these different features to, to have success. So let's go into uh, the code. We'll close this one up. Close up. Okay, and then we're going to go into the GitLab version. So the very first one that I had, I'm not going to run this one. It's just simple showing, showing the Python. That, that's the simple one here. Uh, I want to show you all uh, the stages one because it's so different. Um, because of, remember we talked about Travis CI, it uses uh, virtual environments natively, right? Uh, it's not running a different container or whatnot every time you run it. You just choose language which may or may not change the container. And then depending on the version of, of that language you select will be that virtual environment that it opens up. That is not the case with GitLab CI. GitLab CI is using straight up Docker, okay? Or, you know, container registry and whatnot. That container registry can be public. That container registry can be private. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, and all the stuff I'm telling you right now, it's included in the paid version and the community version, the free version. Uh, I, for both Travis CI and GitLab CI, you should totally, if you have, don't already have it already, test both of the SaaS versions with some open source stuff. You can fork the, you know, the repositories that I'm sharing with you today and just play around uh, and see the difference in the cool stuff. So, uh, here is, I'll read through very quickly. Here's the top. So image, this is straight up pulling off of the Docker public, uh, public repositories. So I said Python and because I don't want the latest, I said, I want, I want version 3.7. And so it's given me the same, the same con uh, Python container that you would run Docker pool, Python, colon 3.7. That's what I'm running right here. That's exactly what that's doing. Uh, before script, means that it's going to run these it's going to run uh, these commands on all of the stages um, this simply uh, tells GitLab CI what in what order the stages should be should be ran so that the build should be executed I mean, should be done uh, completed before the execute starts. Mm -hmm. uh, if you don't include this then GitLab CI assumes that all of these stages can be executed asynchronously and you don't have to wait. Um, this right here is, is the same as whenever I was, uh, you saw me in Travis CI putting the name of the stage. Mm -hmm. This is how you define the name of the stage in, in GitLab CI. This is the piece that really matters where I say stage build. Oh, GitLab CI says, oh, okay, that's the first one I'm supposed to run. 
And then here's the script it's supposed to run. It's supposed to uh, get set up in a virtual environment, okay, called VEMD. It's then going to activate said virtual environment. It then installs my requirements based off of my requirements.txt. Um, if anyone doesn't know how to generate a requirements.txt, uh, just look up pip freeze, PIP space freeze, uh, and you'll find the, it's fairly simple. Uh, also, this is my plug, always use virtual environments, <laughs> uh, especially when it comes to CICD and making sure that your development uh, platforms are congruent and, you know, one guy's laptop isn't different from another. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Use virtual environments. <laughs> um, and this is, this is a fun one. It's artifacts. And you can use artifacts for a ton of things. Right now, what I'm going to use an artifact for is I'm going to save that virtual environment that we created inside the VEMV folder. I'm going to save that, okay, for later use. And then, because I don't want it to live forever, 10 minutes after it does that, it's going to delete it from, from its system. That's important because it's using GitLab.com uh, or the on-prem version, by default, if you don't have an expiration, those jokers last forever. <laughs> huh. And, yeah, and depending on what you're doing, like maybe you were creating containers or something, uh, especially if you're on-prem, uh, that can fill up your drive space fast. Gotcha. So, yes, so that's where it's nice. And and you can have one week, you can have one year. It, they make it, They make it pretty pretty open there. Uh, if you're running the on-prem version, you can you can outside of this, you can also specify a global option uh, to expire them after X amount of time. Uh, now we're on to the next one uh, where I'm running the script, executing. It activates that virtual environment, and and because I'm, that virtual environment already has my requirement, it is then able to jump straight into running my script. So let's check, let's check this one out. See this one in action here. Cool. I'm going to make a commit. We're going to sync that commit up. And if we go back here. Okay. And notice over here, we got things happening. So let's go to the CICD. We're going to go to pipeline. I want you all to see this view. So here's my pipeline, and here's all the stages that I've set up. It's currently working on the first stage. If I click into here, it's going to show me what's going on. Nice. So I'll start up here. One of the, in my opinion, very big pluses of GitLab CI is it has the it has the it uses GitLab runners uh, to execute its workloads. GitLab runner. Uh, what a GitLab runner does, um, and you can install it on tons of operating systems. You can install it yourself. Okay, it can run on Kubernetes. It, you know, if you have if you have Kubernetes, yay. Okay. Um, there's lots of different configurations for it, but essentially you can use GitLab runners that are shared 
that GitLab already has deployed uh, out in their clouds. I think they're in Google Compute, uh, Google Cloud. Um, and for those, just like Travis CI, for the open source stuff, they're 100% free. Okay. However, if you had a private repository, uh, they now for Travis CI, if you had a private repository, there's, there's no, nothing free. If you want to use Travis CI in private, then you have to, you're going to have to pay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For GitLab CI, they offer you 2,000 GitLab runner minutes per month for free. Oh. I.e., if you're a small developer or you're just doing this, you know, for, you know, for kicks and giggles for yourself, uh, GitLab CI gives you 2,000 minutes per month to use their shared runner. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you use any of the runners that you install, there's no limit. Because the, the, the CPU power and stuff, it's all running on whatever system you installed it on. So, for instance, this GitLab runner that we just executed this code from uh, is actually running off of my desktop at my house. <laughs> um, the only requirement for a GitLab runner is it needs to be able to access uh, port 443. There might be one other port. Uh, for wherever the GitLab instance is running from. So in this, in this instance, it's GitLab.com. And so my GitLab runner needs to have routability and access to port 443 on GitLab.com. If you're running on-prem, then the GitLab runner needs to have that same access, but not against GitLab.com, against whatever your on-prem GitLab instance is. Mm, And you can have have as many of these GitLab runners as you want. I mean, maybe there's a limit. I I haven't seen it. Um, And they're fairly robust. Um, The ones that I typically run are the Docker executors. There's different kinds. And and the reason I like the Docker executors is because it it uses containers. And you, you might say, hey, I don't really know that much about containers. But you know what? With this setup, you really don't need to know that much. You don't have to. Uh, I think it's a stepping stone, right? You can start using this and to, to get comfortable with containers because, I mean, you didn't have to do anything. You just typed image Python 3.7, and boom, you had a running container where you could run all of your Python 3.7 code again. Um, and... And none of that, none of this code, especially if you're doing 100% on-prem, is ever getting shared out with the web, you know? Um, so let's see. We started out, installed virtual environments, created virtual environment, went into it, installed requirements, yay. Everything went good, and so it uploaded the artifact. These artifacts were uploaded to the GitLab server. So look right here to the right. Now that they've been uploaded, job artifacts. The artifacts will be removed in nine minutes. I can actually download this virtual environment if I want to. How's that for troubleshooting? You can say, hey, I want to keep uh, keep my artifacts for seven days. And two days later, after you've had a failure that caused a SEV1 event, someone's clamoring for an RCA, and you're like, uh, okay, this is your cron job. You know, all you have was your logs. With this, you could actually go reference the virtual environment, download the virtual environment, uh, open up that virtual environment on your laptop or server, huh. uh, 
and and try to recreate what was going on, That's right? Cool. Um, and not just that, you, you, for all of these things that run, you see exactly what went down, just like you were at the console running it yourself, whether it's Travis CI or GitLab CI. I mean, I think that's super powerful. Mm -hmm. Let's go into our next one. We finished the build where we uploaded the artifact. Let's go to execute. Oh, that completed successfully. Let's go check it out. So first thing it did, it downloaded the artifact. Then it ran those two commands that I, that I told it to run all the time make sure we have virtual environment. It then went into that virtual environment and it then executed the code, which had the requirements in there, which was a uh, EY, uh, Pyfiglet. something. <laughs> there you go, Pyfiglet, there you go, thank you. <laughs> to say hello world. Uh, and I can show y'all the code in there. Here. There we go. I imported my code. Bless you. Excuse me. Thank you. Uh, and then I set the font that I wanted to run, and I said, hey, render it and print it out. That was it. And all this happened from that. It's a unique it's a it's a unique environment that I can replicate, and so you never have. And here's the key issues why people go CI/CD crazy is because when you combine CI/CD with containers, even if you're not creating your own containers, you get to start in baby steps using using the public repositories and installing the requirements like like you saw in this example. Mm -hmm. uh, you have an environment that you know how it's built. You know every single package that was installed in said environment. And you can repeat, you can replicate it. And if you make a, if you, you, you mess up the environment, guess what? Just revert your, revert to the previous commit that was that successful, let it rebuild and you're good to go. Uh, that's the strength of using CICD uh, with containers and whatnot. Mm -hmm. um, Depending on how complex your automation is, those that those requirements can become a lot lo a, a lot longer of a list, right? Than just my single one you saw here. Hmm. So, and, and I and I, I made this comment in, in a in a separate V Brown bag talking about Ansible uh, as well. But if you if you create your if you once you feel comfortable with this methodology and using using the the default con containers uh, to do your stuff, and you put that little bit of effort to to further grow and figure out how to create your own containers, which is not uh, is not as daunting as it may sound. You can take this workflow that took 19 seconds to run, and you can or, or a minute or two minutes or five minutes because most of it was trying to in install requirements mm -hmm. and you can bump that, bump that time down uh, to seconds. Hmm. Um, hey, this all worked in dev. I don't know what to tell you. Now, <laughs> now that you put it in prod, I, I don't yeah, know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, oh, and let me show y'all where the variable. So, GitLab CI has several different places you can put variables. 
Uh, I think it's two, actually. I'm going to show you, well, you can, you can also specify variables directly in your GitLab CI YAML file. I don't think I've highlighted how those different. But the Travis, C, Travis CI was dot Travis dot YAML. GitLab CI is dot GitLab dash CI dot YAML. Um, but let's go look at the variables real fast. So I created a schedule here. It's literally a cron job. So if you go create, you specify whatever you want the name of the schedule to be. <laughs> it, it, it supports cron format, okay? Nice. <laughs> uh, cron syntax, yeah. Um, and you set your time zone, set the target branch that you want to execute the code against, and then you can define your variables. Okay. Um, for this, I just type message and hello world. I didn't have to put the quotes and it worked properly. <laughs> gotcha. Um, because I didn't want this on a cron job and I wanted to I wanted uh, to execute it manually whenever I wanted to use it. I just marked it ina uh, inactive. And whenever it's marked inactive, it, notice it shows up inactive for the next run. However, whenever I want to, I can go hit the play button hmm. and, it, and it will run this. It'll run it over. Uh, the other place that you can specify uh, variables or GitLab CI is actually on the pr the project level, the repository level. So I can specify a variable in here, which oh, this is new. Oh, I'm, I'm so excited! But this is new. I'm sorry, I didn't see this before. <laughs> this is like brand new. <laughs> this was not here before. This makes me happy. <laughs> um, so you notice whenever we were, whenever I showed you in Travis CI. Whenever we were adding a variable, uh, it, uh, it, matter of fact, I can just bring that up real fast. Uh, let's go on settings. Okay, it had display value and build log, mm -hmm. right? And that's, and that's where I stuck on my variable. Well, this variable, environment variable, is, is the, it's the equivalent of a project level, the environment variable. Um, so if I put message, Okay, and I hit save. Uh, it's not masked, which means that it will sh it will show the value whenever you're uh, looking through the uh, the log files for the GitLab CI run. Uh, and but this is this confused me when I first uh, started using these because it has a state and protected. Previously, it didn't have this right here, this mask piece, and so I'm like, oh, protected. It must mean the exact same thing as Travis CI, and it's hiding it. But then I checked it and I'm like, wait, this isn't working. What is the deal with this? And, and this protected thing is actually for something completely different. <laughs> uh, but this is very, very nice. I cannot use mass value return. Interesting. Okay, I'm not gonna get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll read, read, read on that up, up on my own time. Probably need quotes now. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, the protected one though, uh, you probably know that uh, GitHub has them, GitLab has them. They have the idea of protected branches. So branches, 
that you like you know your production branch that you only want certain people to access or maybe you have more stringent requirements toward committing or accepting pull requests against a protected branch you don't allow force pulls or i mean force pushes against the protected branch um that's that's what that's the protected that this is referring to uh, so if you check this then this variable can only be used by a branch that is protected. Gotcha. So essentially, yeah, one 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 method you could do is say your your master branch, your production level branch uses these set of variables, and for all other branches, they're, they're you know their QA or lab or whatever, they use these variables that are unprotected. Um, and there's also the in, environments, which is also new too. They keep adding adding stuff, so it makes me happy. <laughs> um, so runners, if you're running on prem, okay, on prem, uh, the on prem GitLab, you will not have access to shared runners, uh, or you will have access to shared runners. You will not have access to GitLab.com shared runners. The only way you can get, get access to GitLab.com shared runners is to be running in GitLab.com. If you're running on-prem, this looks the exact same. Uh, however, the shared runners, if you choose to create them, will be the ones that you create. Okay? Um, so, like, I specifically registered this GitLab runner directly to this repository, this project, which is why I'm able to use it. Um, if I didn't have this, if I didn't have this, because it's paused, and I've disabled the shared runners, then I have nothing to use, uh, no GitLab CI to, to run off of. Um, you might say, man, this can be, this seems like it would be a pain if I didn't want to use public shared runners, but, but I still wanted to run on GitLab.com, uh, and I wanted to have the ability to apply these runners to multiple projects. And if you're running on the GitLab.com version, that's where the group runners come in. Because for the GitLab.com version, you have the idea of groups, which is the, which is Git, GitHub's rendition of organizations uh, and you can actually assign a runner to an entire group and then all the projects that are created within said group automatically have access to the group runner so I like the idea of the group runners I mean uh, of, of GitLab runners in general because I can choose where they want where they run if, if you have an environment that's secure um, and and you want to run on-prem GitLab, you can totally have these GitLab runners deployed inside uh, your firewall. They don't need internet access. And I mean, you might want to, you know, depending on what your update strategy is, you might have issues with the OS updates, right? But that's another another solution to solve for. You can run this stuff in, in highly secure environments and and keep uh, keep your security team happy. Uh, that's really the stuff I wanted to show y'all. Um, uh, there is one other thing. 
I'm not going to, I'm just going to show you how it works. I'm not actually going to do it. You can run GitLab CI uh, on, uh, from GitHub. So if, if you're, if you're, if you really want to use GitLab CI, uh, you don't want to use Travis CI, but for whatever reason, your workloads have to be in GitHub. Mm-hmm. Uh, all is not lost, albeit it's still not the best in my opinion. Um, for instance, let's go here. New. Uh, we're going to, oops, going to say new project. And over here, CICD for external repo. Uh. And so if you say repo by URL, you can only use this if it is, a, well, you can use the UP. You don't have to supply credentials if the repo that, that you want it to uh, mirror is, uh, is open source, right? Publicly accessible. Mm-hmm. If it's private, you're going to need credentials, mm-hmm. um, which essentially allows you to use things other than GitHub as well, right? Um, if you want to, and then if they have built-in stuff for GitLab, I mean for for GitHub, where you can authorize stuff and it'll it'll work its magic for you. Essentially, all it's doing is creating um, a mirrored repo. So here's one that I, I created earlier today. Uh, notice it says mirrored from, and then GitHub. Okay, uh, and whenever and since I've done this and it's mirroring it, whenever I make a commit on the GitHub side, uh, it will eventually sync up to this repo on the GitLab side. And when it syncs up, uh, it will register that commit and it will execute the GitLab CI configuration file as shown in there. The problem that I found with this is that mirror does not happen super fast. So if you're troubleshooting something and you're trying to uh, try to get to the bottom of it or whatnot, having to deal with this mirror and waiting for things to sync up and and, and to, so that your CI/CD uh, platform will actually execute maybe some basic tests uh, that can get old. <laughs> if you have to be on GitHub, because uh, that's what the company uses and there's no way out of it or not, my recommendation is probably to use Travis CI or some other CI/CD tool. There, there are many out there. These are, I've just mentioned the ones that I have looked over and that I have enjoyed and I use. So, so uh, a quick question uh, from, from the audience. Um, yeah. The, uh, so since... Uh, Change, change uh, have there been any changes in Travis CI since the IDERA acquisition that you've noticed? I'm I'm sorry, I don't know. Okay, apparently, apparently uh, they got bought by somebody, I, and and uh, there was there was a thing like, oh, Travis CI is going to pot because they were bought. Uh, it could it could be the same <laughs> it could be the same thing as like when, uh, when Microsoft bought GitHub and everybody was flailing about right. that for a little bit. I, I will say this, uh, depending, you know, granted, I. I've been running mostly open source workloads. Uh, well, I've only I've only run open source workloads, but within the past few days, uh, just checking over things uh, before you know before this presentation, mm-hmm. uh, I went and looked, and and most of the time, my workloads didn't start up 
for a, for a minute or two. Mm. Rarity, they would start up, you know, within the within a minute. Mm. Uh, sometimes I waited seven or eight minutes for a ten second workflow to run. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, yeah, uh, and and to be fair, I mean it's it's free, right? Uh, if I was paying, I would expect a little bit more. Sure, uh, sure. With the shared GitLab runners, is right GitLab.com that they have their shared runner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was nowhere near the wait time that uh, that Travis CI had. Part of that um, is because those those runners are actually uh, on auto scale uh, to you know to grow and shrink within GCP, um, Google Compute, mm-hmm. but. Uh, that's another reason why I like to use my GitLab runner on my on my desktop on, on a server or something like that because it will run almost immediately. By default, the default setting for a GitLab runner uh, and GitLab.com never reaches out to your GitLab runners. Remember, I said that all you need is like port four four three mm-hmm. from the GitLab runner side to be mm-hmm. able to access the Git the GitLab instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially, by default, every three seconds. The GitLab runner, unless you've told it otherwise, every three seconds the GitLab runner is saying, "Hey GitLab, you got something for me? Hey GitLab, you got something for me?" Gotcha. And and whenever it sees that it has a job, it says, "Okay, I got it," and it starts. And if you've got multiple uh, multiple runners out there, whatever the first one who sees it, it's gonna say, "Hey, I got it," and then it's gonna t- it's gonna hit and run, you know. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, cool. Awesome. So, well, thank you very much. Um, yeah. Uh, quick question. Um, somebody went to Arsano Ninja and did not couldn't find the slides. <laughs> wow, they're not they're not there right fast. now. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm glad someone went. Uh, uh, I was planning on putting the slides out tomorrow. See, this this is what happens when you put, when you put things off. There's somebody's going to jump on it and say, "Hey, what's going on?" <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, they, they will be available tomorrow, and I'll also, um, as when we post this up, I will take the links and put them into the show notes on uh, on YouTube as well. So the the links will all be available from there as well. Awesome. Cool. Well, um, any, anything else? That that was fantastic. Uh, I, I, I did. I, play around, guys. I, I was I wasn't yeah. trying to cut you off. I was I was I mean I didn't I didn't no, know no, finished or if you're <laughs> sorry. Never mind. Go ahead. The only I would I would say as a, as a final is just play around, see what works for you. Okay, there are other CI/CD tools out there. These are the the two GitLab CI Travis CI that I feel are the best for people who aren't software developers and want a simple, straightforward solution. Uh, the, the thing that that is so nice about the, all the code, the configuration being in that one file, mm-hmm. is guess what. We are, we already know how to reuse code. And so when it comes time, maybe it takes you a little, like a little bit of difficulty for that first project that you create and configure with, with CICD. But once you've done that, you've got that code to reuse. You go like, oh yeah, I've already done that before. You just copy that snippet <laughs> and just paste it over and, and you're good to go. So just play around, find what works for you. Uh, and I think you're fi- you'll find that it's going to make your lives a lot better. Nice, very cool. Well, I will. Uh, I will definitely be syncing my my uh, my GitHub account with Travis uh, in the near future and uh, playing with all this stuff. <laughs> Looks super fun. Cool. 
All right. Well, let me uh, let me make a quick round of the tweetosphere. Uh, make sure that I got all the questions. I believe I have. Mm, yeah. No, I think I think I got them all. Um, cool. Well, Mr. Arsenault, once again, this was as as always a pleasure. Um, you're a wonderful presenter and and uh, very informative as well. <laughs> cool. Um, no problem. I enjoy coming. Great. Everybody, um, th thank you for attending, and uh, we will see you again next week.